Hello there and welcome into another edition of the Intersection Podcast with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. On this edition, you'll hear highlights from Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the 2021 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Dallas. Michael Jr. stopped by. He's a comedian who shared some insight into his background and his philosophy of allowing God to use comedy to open up hearts. You'll be hearing from that NRB conversation coming up. And I chatted with the founder of Auntie Anne's Soft Pretzels, Ann Byler, and her husband Jonas, as they shared about how God has sustained them through difficult times, including struggles in their marriage. There is a movie that is being made about their story. And on this edition of The Intersection, Lucas Miles of Influence Church in Indiana and the Lucas Miles Show podcast stop by Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central to identify and share about ideas that run contrary to scripture that are infiltrating the church. Finally, Benny DeShera is a Christian musical artist who has a unique story of God's hand on his life during and after a traumatic brain injury. Benny reminds listeners about the presence of God even during the tough times coming up. Well, this is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Michael Jr. is a comedian who appeared at NRB this year. He stopped by to share some insight into his background and his philosophy of allowing God to use comedy to open up hearts. He's written a book called Funny How Life Works. From that NRB conversation, this is Michael Jr. now. Were you the no. guy that telling all the jokes nope. and, and doing stand up, or did that no. kind of did you kind of evolve into that later yeah. in life? Yeah, I was never a class clown because um, those people. My dad had this thing that also <laughs> held up his pants, and I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to be no class clown. No, no, no. I just strategically, um, I would only say funny things in school, for example, that would make the teacher laugh because a laughing teacher doesn't send you to the principal's office. Yeah. So I've always been very strategic in my uh, comedy. Very, very strategic. Try to be strategic. Sometimes it could get you in trouble. but Yeah, I don't know if my wife would agree with this, but there is, I think there's some research that says that a laughing teacher, that grades are 45% better if the teacher is laughing. Wow. Is, yeah. that, is that what just, you, you encountered? Well, let's just back up to the fact that your wife doesn't agree with you. We can talk about it off air. <laughs> yeah. That'd be great. Some counseling. Well, so you've written a book. We had the chance to talk, and I felt like we just kind of scratched the surface. I want to have a come, come back for a second round here about this book, Funny How Life Works. Yeah. This is, would you say this is a bio- biography, a, a memoir, is uh, just a, um, you know, a collection of stories? I would say it's uh, a, um, it is a collection of stories. What I did was, uh, the reason I want to write the book is because I've done a lot of comedy. And there's one joke in particular, a jogging joke where I'm jogging on the street. And I did this joke on the, on the Tonight Show on NBC. And the host said it was a classic immediately. And, but nobody knew where the joke really came from. Nobody understood the story behind it. So I was like, you know what, I need to share that. And then there's so many other stories. So my desire, I'm actually called to comedically inspire people to walk in purpose. Like, that's what I'm actually called to do. I like that. I just felt like this book would be another platform to do that, where I could share some stories, add a lot of funny in it, because when people laugh, their hearts are open. And if a heart is open, then I want to make a deposit that can make a positive change. So that's the reason we wrote the book. And there's some great stories. There's one story in there where I'm on stage, and I felt like, like I was supposed to bring this lady up on stage. But I didn't know her. We'd never met before. And I just felt like God was like, hey, bring her up on stage. And I bring her up on stage, and it turns out she's deaf. Like, 
like she couldn't hear yeah. like you know deaf yeah right, right. kind of like yeah. when your wife tries to agree with you she's like i can't hear what she's saying <laughs> okay i see the th- i see you working so i bring her up on stage and what happens to the audience and what i received from this experience was amazing but that's one of those things that you have to share in written form we got an audio book too but another great example i won't get that story away is i did a show one time so whenever i do comedy what here's what's happening I'm on stage. If you see me anywhere on stage or if I'm doing a keynote presentation, whatever it is, I may be presenting joke number one. But at the same time, I'm doing the math on what joke number two should be based off of your current responding as joke number one. Yeah. Then I'll move on and start doing the math on what I think joke number three should be based off of your currently responding to joke number two and probably will respond to joke number one. I actually used to go seven jokes deep. But then I met Jesus. <laughs> and I can't go seven deep anymore because I'm listening on stage. Instead of just saying, what can I, how can I get more laughs? I'm listening in between the gaps and I'm asking the question, what can I give to my audience? Most of the time, it's something funny, but sometimes it's something a little more. So I was in Sacramento and I felt like the thing I needed to explain to people is how life works. There's a setup and there's a punchline. Your setup is what you receive, but your punchline is about what you're called to deliver. It's your purpose. Yeah. And I, I said how some people in this audience probably have to make a hard step. It seems like it's hard, but you know in the end it's going to work out for the good. But you have to be sensitive to trust God to do the thing. So I just said that on stage. Well, after the show, this guy, security comes up to me and says, there's a guy who really, really, really has to talk to you. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I go out there. It looked like he had been uh, crying. It looked like he had been high, but he actually had been crying, which isn't abnormal at my events. People either laugh and crying or they're emotional. And he explains to me that he says, man, life is so hard, man. I just came to this comedy show to get away from it all. I just wanted to get away from all of this pressure. But then you, you said what you said, man, and I know what I got to do, man, but I don't know how to do it. I don't know what I – and he's like, can you help me? And I'm like, dude, what you trying to do? I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, right. And tearfully, in tears, he asked me – he explains to me that he's wanted by the police in several states. Oh, my. And he wants uh. to know if I would help him turn himself in. So right there, at the end of my comedy show, we called the police. They sent a cruiser. Me and him hug out. And then he gets in the back of the car and drives off, man, in the back of the police car. He literally, now listen, had I only been asking the question, how can I get laughs, yeah. instead of listening between the gaps, asking what can I give, mm-hmm. that experience would have never happened. Who knows where he would be right now? Now listen, for your listeners right now, no matter what you do in life, there's gaps. What question are you asking in between the gaps? Michael Jr. here on The Intersection. You can find him online at michaeljr.com. And learn more about the book through funnyhowlifeworks.com. Next up on this edition of The Intersection, it's Ann Byler, the founder of Annie Ann Soft Pretzels. She, along with her husband Jonas, shared elements of their story, including a variety of trials, as well as God's faithfulness. In the overall conversation from the 2021 NRB convention in Dallas, the Bylers were joined by Jason Brown, co-founder and CEO of Called Higher Studios, which is preparing to produce a movie based on their story. Here now from that conversation are Jonas and Ann Byler. I'm with the Jonas here as well, so he's as big uh, a part of the story as what I am, and so... Um, we started out doing Auntie Anne's soft pretzels, and I've, we often use the line, out of our pain, our purpose was born. And it was through the death of our daughter, our 19-month-old daughter, who was killed instantly uh, as a little toddler, and then also the abuse of a pastor who kept me in a place of uh, darkness and uh, deception and 
Um, so it was a, a good 10 years that our marriage has suffered uh, incredibly to the point where we really thought, weren't sure if it would uh, survive. And that's why I say Jonas is a great part of this story. Uh, if it wasn't for his uh, Christ-like uh, love toward me, uh, we would not be sitting here today. Well, Jonas, let's talk about your role in the story. Obviously, when when God calls two people to be together, you share dreams and visions of, of what God would want to do in your life. So tell me about, as you have stood with Anne, if you, as you all have walked along this journey of not only following Christ, but also seeing him establish this chain of, of food outlets, of restaurants. Tell me how you've seen God work in your own life and in, in your marriage. Well, thank you, Bob. Uh, it's an interesting journey, that's for sure. Uh, Anne always says kind things about me, but I have to remind her that God did a work of grace in both of us. That's why we're still one. And looking back over uh, a time when we lost our daughter, that was a very difficult day for both of us. But beyond that, uh, the worst day of my life was when I thought we were going to lose the marriage. Uh, it was just very difficult for me to face the thought of that. And uh, I worked hard, we worked hard, uh, we went for counseling, and after we experienced some help for counseling, I became very interested in the counseling concept, and I thought, well, uh, I hope someday I can help people and, and, and do similar things. So uh, that was really the beginning of our uh, answering a calling, and then the pretzel business just merely came along as a modern-day business miracle to help us finance what we were headed to do. Jonas and Ann Byler joining me today here at Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central set up. We have a room here where we're having the opportunity to meet not only with the Bylers, but also with Jason Brown from Called Higher Studios, which is preparing to do a movie on Ann's life and Ann and Jonas's relationship. So there's obviously going to be a marriage element of what will be shown on the screen. There will be the entrepreneurial element as well. So if people are, are, trying, are following the timeline here, this is a, uh, a story that could you say that in the aftermath of great trial that God led you into doing the, uh, the food business? Oh, absolutely. Auntie Anne's is, is a result of uh, all of the things that we learned through the pain, I call it the pain, blame, and shame of my life. Uh, and like Jonas said, going for counseling and understanding that there, there is hope no matter what. And so when Auntie Anne's came along, uh, we really believed that out of our pain, our purpose was born. And our real purpose then became uh, Auntie Anne's uh, Incorporated, Auntie Anne's The Pretzels, had no idea that we would go around the world with a simple soft pretzel out of Lancaster County. And, Bob, every time I say that, I, I feel the, 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 the power that God has just um, shown us through his love, through his grace, uh, in our brokenness, in our woundedness, in our near-filled mar near -filled marriage. We had no idea that God had a greater plan. And that's really what it's all about, the, the plan of God, and which ended up being Auntie Anne's soft pretzels 
um, way beyond our wildest dreams, and we're just uh, completely still amazed about the story, right, Tier? <laughs> Jonas and Ann Byler here on this edition of The Intersection. You can find out more about Ann at Auntie Ann with an E, Byler, B E I L E R dot com. The Called Higher website is calledhigherstudios.com. This is the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House, and you can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on the Intersection Podcast. There are links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's a link to video content, including recently added content from the 2021 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Dallas. Content from the Meeting House program can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Continuing now with this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's Lucas Miles of the Lucas Miles Show Podcast. He's pastor of Influence Church in Granger, Indiana, and author of a book entitled The Christian Left, How Liberal Thought Has Hijacked the Church. From the 2021 NRB convention in Dallas, he shared about ideas that are contrary to Scripture that have made their way into the church. Here now from that conversation is Lucas Miles. There's such a web, this uh, uh, inter interconnected web of uh, ideologies and theologies and, and uh, concepts that have led us to where we're at. But let me try to break down a couple of those. So first off, um, in you, you have the influence of philosophers like Hegel, Kant, uh, Marx, you know, etc. And I would even put Darwin in there that have really influenced sort of this this what what is called critical theory, which of course has given birth to critical race theory. Uh, which has invaded the church. It's, it's tended in the past to be rather antagonistic against Christianity, uh, but it's sort of found a home in the church through what is known as liberation theology. Liberation theology is started in, in Latin America with a Catholic priest named Gutierrez and uh, um, sort of this Marxist uh, identity that he blended the two. In America, it took the form as black liberation theology. You had uh, writers like James Cone, who might be considered the father of black liberation theology in America. And it's basically this idea that God has faith favorites, that there are only two classes of people, oppressed and oppressor, and that, um, you know, God only identifies with the oppressed, and if you're a person of privilege or if you've never been oppressed, then you must be an oppressor, and there's no way to not become an oppressor. You can't get out of that. You're stuck. Your position is chosen. It's almost sort of this uh, uh, neo-Calvinism in some ways, or radical Calvinism, uh, that really discounts any sort of uh, free will. It's very deterministic, uh, and but I think that people are feeling this from the pulpits. You know, uh, we can look at the theology of it, but practically speaking, they're seeing their pastors, you know, start to uh, uh, really support, you know, they're, they're presenting Jesus more like the champion, uh, uh, this this great social reformer, rather than the savior of the world. And that's where I get concerned, is where the identity of Jesus has really been hijacked, and we start seeing more of a powerless, um, uh, you know, hippie liberal Jesus versus you know the uh, the savior of the world who you know was willing to give his life on the cross for us that has been presented you know of course over the last two thousand years of church history. 
Well, we recognize that our faith is built in the Savior who died on a cross for us, and he died as a sacrifice for what? For our sins. And because of his death and his resurrection, we have the ability to walk in a in a position with Christ, hidden in Christ as our substitute. He's the one that was our substitute on the cross for our sins. He defeated the power of sin and death. So I've said that, that S word, sin, several times here in that last sentence. So what do you say that the progressives or, or what is the viewpoint of the progressives with respect to this whole notion of sin and sinfulness? Now, it does seem like that they have an, a lexicon of what they deem yeah. to be sinful, but to what degree does that line up with what the Bible actually says? You no, know, great question, Bobby. I appreciate that. So uh, sin, and again, it depends on what spectrum you're in of this uh, this quadrant of progressive Christianity. If we're talking about, say, something like liberation theology, according to liberation theology, there's only two sins that that uh, someone can commit. Uh, they can either fail to recognize that they are oppressed or they can be nice to their oppressors. This is why we heard, uh, I can't remember what university it was at, a few, uh, uh, you know, maybe a last year sometime where the woman prayed, God help me to hate white people, you know, because she felt like she was falling into the sin of being nice to oppressors, and so she was actually looking for repentance from that. Uh, additionally, this, this notion of depravity or of original sin, this is not a concept that the progressive Christian believes in. They, by nature, believe in salvation, essentially by, um, you could call it entitlement or obligation. Uh, it, it's it's sort of that you know it's the temptation that the enemy did to um, uh, to Satan or to, that Satan did to Jesus in the desert, where he says you know toss yourself off from this high place and make the angels come catch you. It's sort of you know uh, this this push for the church or for us as Christians to be saved because of uh, uh, you know that God uh, that that we deserve it. That God should have to do this. We're going to obligate him. We're going to put a position where he has to save me, rather than uh, truly salvation by grace through faith. And so there's a there's a misnomer of that. Uh, of course, they fail to understand love. They fail to understand these other things. But it's really important that we recognize that in order to um, uh, dismantle progressive Christianity, we have to understand it. And it, it's it's uh, it, it's it's rich with uh, nuances and, and language. It's almost Gnostic in nature that it's the secret knowledge that you have to learn. And so we as Christians, we really have to be informed. And this is really why I want to get this book, The Christian Left in People's Hands, uh, so they can really strengthen their understanding and be able to dismantle it when it appears. Lucas Miles here on the intersection. You can find out more by visiting the website lucasmiles.org. Finally, on this edition of the intersection, it's singer-songwriter Benny DeShera at the 2021 NRB convention in Dallas. He discussed his work with his band Empowered and shared about God's faithfulness during and after a traumatic brain injury. The band's latest project is entitled Three Days. Here now from that NRB conversation is Benny DeShera. I fell asleep on the sofa. This is October 2015. And so the next morning my alarm went off at 6.30, but it was in the bedroom with my wife. So I knew I was in trouble. I heard it go off. I saw her come through the door with my phone. I stood up from the sofa. I have a 20-minute hole. I don't remember anything. Just, just a hole. So her description to the neurosurgeons were... When she handed me the phone, I was horizontal. So they said, did he slip? Was he wearing socks? Was it wet? The answer was no to all that. Did he catch himself? Because most people grab. He did not. Was he conscious? Yes, he was. She said, when I hit my hardwood floors and I struck the back of my head, it sounded like a gunshot went off. So I tried to crawl to the recliner. She said, please come lay down into the bed. 
And so after laying down, now I'm, I'm a Navy corpsman, like it's a Navy medic for those who don't know. And so all that training from years and years ago kicked in because things were happening. And I told her, something's not right. We need to go to the hospital. So we went to the emergency room. Multiple CT scans and MRIs and and ICU for observation for a day and everything. I had a double fracture in the back of my skull. Um, I had a frontal lobe crush and a brain bleed. And so because I didn't break the skin, the I just bled out into my face, like across my cheek and everything. So that they basically, after three days in the hospital, said the way the brain heals itself is it shuts down. So it doesn't matter what you do for work or anything you're going to shut down. So I, the first month I was home, I think I slept 20 hours a day, something like that. My wife became a full-time RN. Uh, three Every three hours, medicine, insure, a little bottle of insure because I wasn't eating. I weighed 198, which is my average weight. When I got hurt a month and a half later, I was 166 to, sh- to show you the, just a physical decline. And I had a walker. Bob, I had a walker in my house. So... Um, I was shut down for like a month solid with that. And then slowly but surely, in the middle of November, I started coming out of it where I was a little bit more aware and I could start to move around in the house with all that. People ask me all the time, did your faith get really affected when it happened to you, right? And, you know, the answer really, in retrospect, is no. Because when you know who the great physician is and you follow him, there's there's you're nervous don't get me wrong about things because I could not speak there was just a lot of things going on physically but I knew he was in the midst of it so how is it that your your brain was was fractured how did this all occur was there a was there a fall involved or or what it, it was a fall. It wasn't a slip or a trip or anything like that. They can't explain it. it she just knows that when she went to hand me the phone, I was horizontal. Mm. Personally, I believe maybe God was trying to get my attention. Because I've been, I've been outspoken about my faith ever since I got saved. Because there's no better thing in my life that's ever happened than that day. Right? Because I had years of stuff on my back and on my shoulders that I had been carrying, you know, and pain and hurt and misery and jealousy and all these things that we all experience. And that day that I got saved, I had four grown men surrounding me in my church, weeping with me, just praying over me. And it, I remember it like it was yesterday. So I get at a loss. I get at a loss when I think about that day. It's 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 that significant, right? To to me. So since this accident, I'm a little dangerous. I'd like to say, right? Because you, I'll talk to a tree about Jesus anyway. But if you bring it up, it, it's on, and we're going to talk about it, and you're going to know about it. Benny Deshera here on the intersection. You can learn more online at Rockin, R-O-C-K-I-N, the number 4Jesus.com. Well, we are nearing the end of this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. The website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection Podcast. 
Content from the Meeting House program can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and more. You can learn more through the Meeting House homepage. Also at that homepage, you'll find links to the Intersection podcast, to the Media Center, as well as iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three, with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. The other is The Front Room, with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House program. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's a link to video content, including recently added content from the 2021 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Dallas. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can visit the programming section at faithradio.org. Thanks for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.